So Blessed Life, we're beginning the brand new series. We have books outside to go along with uh, the series. If you didn't get a copy of this book last year, we, we did it for two weeks last year. Really, you could teach this series for like 16 to 20 weeks because there's so much material. So we did a couple weeks last year. We're going to do a few more weeks this year. If you did not get a book last year, I've had more people thank me for this series than anything else we've ever preached in our church. At least two or three times a month, people in our church come up and said, I can't thank you enough. That has significantly changed our life for the better. Reading the book, going through the series has made such an impact on our life. And so I want to encourage you to pick up a book. They're free of charge. There's a whole table of them outside. It'll help you go deeper into the content and the message that we're dealing with because it's really a series about the heart. And that's why I titled today, It's All About the Heart. Because if we will get our heart in alignment with God, really, you could say it like this. If you would allow yourself to take a heart transplant from God, if you will allow yourself to take on God's heart, the blessing that follows of getting your heart in alignment with God is so incredible. And by blessing, Jesus said it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that word blessed in the Greek, I taught on this last December, is the Greek word makarios, which is literally translated happy. It is happier to give than it is to receive. You will be happier. It's not just saying you'll win a lottery if you give. It's saying you'll be happier if you give. Happy, 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 as they say on Duck Dynasty. (laughs) Great show. Happy, happy, happy. It's all about the heart. And getting your heart in alignment with God. And it's a, it, it'll be a tough series for some people. Because anytime you deal with this area of life, it, people struggle with it. People struggle with it. And the reason so many people struggle with this is because Jesus said in the New Testament, this is the number one competition for the human heart. In all, uh, in all of the Bible, he only listed one thing as the number one competition for the human heart. He said, you cannot serve God and money. And that's the only thing in the Bible he said that about. It's the number one competition for the human heart. Because Satan knows if he can destroy you in the area of money, destroy your thinking, destroy your view, he can almost destroy your life. What's the number one cause of divorce in America? Money problems. See, Satan understands this, and that's why this is one of the major issues and themes of the Bible. Do you know in the Bible there's 500 scriptures on love in the Bible? There's 600 scriptures in the Bible on faith. There's 500 scriptures on peace. Do you know how many scriptures in the Bible there are that deal with money? 2,800. 2,800 scriptures. Why? Because God wants to help our thinking and our heart get in alignment with him. That's why today's message is titled, It's All About the Heart. What I want to do is I want to parallel two passages of scripture with you. It's the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to look at it in Matthew 7 and Luke chapter 6. And Jesus is teaching about the heart. So look at Matthew 7 verse 1 with me. Number Verse 1, do not judge others. And you will not be judged for the standard you will be treated for, for for you will be treated as you treat others. And the standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Basically, what you give to others is what you're going to get back. So 
What I want to do is, as we're looking into the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to understand Jesus is teaching on the heart. He's talking about the heart here. And I want you, because we're going to look at this same message in Luke chapter 6, but there's a very famous verse in Luke 6 that is kind of sandwiched in between. And I want you to get the context of this verse. So would you commit to short-term memory with me, the first and the last sentence quickly. So verse 1, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Would you say that with me? Do not judge others and you will not be judged. And it goes on to say the standard you use in judging is a standard by which you will be judged. Basically, what you give is what you're going to get back. Now look at this in verse 37 of Luke chapter 6. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. This is the same message. Now look at the very last sentence of verse 38. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So what I want you to see here is this is the same sermon. Jesus is teaching the same sermon. Luke just added some stuff that Matthew didn't add. And Matthew added some stuff that Luke didn't add. But it's the same sermon. Now let's read the rest of verse 37. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. This is the verse that, 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 that a lot of people use and I think, Oftentimes, out of context, it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The first thing I want you to see is Jesus is teaching on your heart. He's talking about heart issues and and heart issues. Conditions and giving is an issue of the heart. That's why he sandwiches that verse right into a message on the heart and the condition of your heart. Judging is a condition of your heart. Condemning is a condition of your heart. Forgiveness is a heart condition. And Jesus is saying giving is a heart issue. And the principle he's teaching is whenever you give, you're going to get more back. For the measure you give, that's the measure you're going to get back. Not just that, but he goes on to say, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be given back to you? Now, let me explain what that means, because he's talking about agriculture there. And the way they would farm and the way they would glean a field is they would always leave the corners of the field for the poor. And so in every field was two types of workers. The first were hired workers who worked for the owner of the field. And they would, they would take the grain and they would fill their basket and they would take it over and they would, they would dump it into the, to the pile where it was all being collected. And if you were a hired worker, you didn't fill up your basket. Why? Because if your basket was full, it would be heavy. The fuller your basket was, the heavier it would be to carry. And you're not getting paid anymore to carry a heavy basket or a light basket. So you're putting some grain in there, but you're not filling it up because you're doing this all day long. The second type of worker in a field was the poor. Now, they would come in at the end of the day and the corners would be left and they would only get one shot. So if you were poor and you were only going to get one shot to take care of your family, you'd go to the field. You'd put a good measure in your basket. You wouldn't stop there. Then you would begin to press it down to make room for more. Then you would shake it so the grain would settle and you'd get more room. Then you'd put even more in the basket and you would put so much in your basket that it would be overflowing the sides running down you. And that's what the poor would do because they would have one shot. So Jesus is saying, when you give, 
it will be given, the, the, what you give will be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will it be given back to you. For example, if you give an apple seed, how many know if you plant an apple seed, you're not going to get back one apple seed? You're going to get back an apple tree that produces many apples, that produces many seeds. So what you give more is going to come back. This is a principle Jesus is establishing in Scripture. But I want you to see the context. Because this is where we miss it. He's talking about judging. He's talking about condemning. He's talking about forgiving. He's saying The way you judge other people, you are going to be judged, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, we don't like to preach it that way. But he's literally talking about judging, condemning, the way you condemn other people, the way you're going to be condemned, uh, uh, forgiving. And have you ever noticed the root of the word forgive is give? There's an incredible key there on understanding forgiveness. The root of the word forgive is give. And and by the word for, you know, we say it like this. Are you for or against something? Are you in favor of or are you against? And so, so let me say it like this. Are you for giving or against giving? Are you in favor of giving? Because if you are for giving, you will naturally be forgiving. See, if you're struggling with forgiveness, the real issue is you're struggling with giving. Because giving people have a lot easier time forgiving others. Generous people don't struggle with unforgiveness as much as selfish people struggle with unforgiveness. So Jesus is dealing with issues of the heart here. Now I want you to look at how God deals with this in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 15 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. But if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted. Again, we're talking about issues of your heart. Don't be hard-hearted or or tight-fisted, stingy towards them. Instead, be generous. God is a generous God. Generosity is a issue of your heart. Be generous and lend them whatever they need. (laughs) So here's a question for you. How can I get to the place where I give like God gives? How do I get the place where I give like, because God is a generous God and I'm his kid. And so I want to reflect my dad. I want to look like my father. God is a generous giving God. So how do I get to the place where I give like God gives? Let me give you four things, four things to work on so you can get to this place. The first thing I want you to work on, number one, is deal with a selfish heart. You got to deal with a selfish heart. And in verse nine of Deuteronomy 15, it says, do not be mean spirited. And refuse someone alone. That's that's selfishness. Because the year for canceling debts is close at hand. If you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. And let me just say, selfishness will always lead you to sin in your life. Selfishness is always going to lead you to sin. And what's going on here is God established an economic system in Israel. 
where every seven years, all debts would be canceled. Whatever you owe, whatever debt you had, every seven years, it would be wiped out. How many of you would love to go back to God's plan? Uh, That'd be awesome. And so what he's saying here is if your brother comes to you and it's like year six and there's six months left and it says to you, you know, we really had a tough year. Uh, crops didn't do well. The harvest didn't do well. We're struggling and, you know, I need to I need to take care of my family. Can you give me a loan to help me through to provide for my family? And you say, sure. Yeah. How much do you need? And then all of a sudden you have the thought, wait a second. There's only six months left. If he can't pay me back in six months, this debt is canceled. It's over. The year of canceling debts is close to hand. If he can't pay me back, and God is saying, I don't want you to think like that. See, we'll all naturally have the thought. Having the thought isn't the sin. It's dwelling on the thought and acting on the thought that it becomes sin. And God is saying, don't think like that. Be a giver because I am a giver. I mean, God isn't asking us to pay him back. I mean, look at the price God paid for us. He's not asking you to pay him back. God is saying, just give because I give. I'll be your source. Whether or not they pay you back, I'm your source. I can pay you back if they don't pay you back. So don't think like that because I am ultimately your source. And here's a thought that I'd love you to ponder. Why did God invent giving in the first place? Think about that for a second. Why did God invent giving in the first place? I mean, we know Satan didn't invent giving. He invented stealing and taking and killing. Why did God invent? Was it because they were just really struggling in heaven one day and they were trying to make ends meet and the light bill was due? And, you know, God was like, man, we, we better figure something out. All right, I got a plan. Let's let's get all these people to give so we can get by up here. I mean, God did not invent giving for his sake. He didn't need it. So why did he create this? Why he did it as a gift to us? Because if you will become a giver, you will experience the happiest life you could ever possibly live. Why? Because giving deals with our selfish hearts and selfish people are miserable. You ever hung out with a selfish person? They're miserable to be around. They're negative. They're critical. They're miserable. They're no fun. Generous people are the most happy, positive, life-giving people to ever be around. And God is saying, deal with your selfish heart. If you'll be a giver like I'm a giver, it'll change your perspective. It'll It'll change your life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Most of the preaching on giving in the church today doesn't actually encourage our generosity. It feeds into our selfishness. That's why I want you to see the context of verse 38 a second ago. Because give, see see, this is the way most people preach it and most people hear it. Give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. Give and you'll get. And I just don't think God's in heaven saying, thank God my kids are becoming getters. I'm so glad they're getting the revelation of getting. See, God wants us to get a revelation of giving. It's not not about getting. It's about becoming givers. And let me say it like this. We were born getters. But we are born again givers. See, when you make a decision to follow Christ, your view towards money, your attitude toward you're born again with a generous. That's God's plan for you. 
Because what's the hardest word to teach a child? I've got a five-year-old. What's the hardest word to teach a, a child? Share. Share. I mean, what happens when the neighbor boy comes over to play and he picks up one of your kid's toys? I was playing with that. I was playing with that. And then so you get, you give the neighbor kid another. I was playing with that too. Share. Share. And I think God's up in heaven sometimes looking at it saying, share. Share. So the first thing we do is we deal with a selfish heart. We do that through giving. Second thing is you deal with a grieving heart. You got to deal with a grieving heart. And this is shocking to me. It's shocking that God has to use the word grief in regards to money. Now, I can understand the word grief in regards to losing a loved one, but to use the word grief in regards to money. But look at this. I actually put this in the New King James because I like the way the New King James phrases verse 10 of Deuteronomy 15. You have both of the versions in your notes, but it says, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. You shouldn't be grieved over giving that gift to them because for this thing, the Lord, your God will bless. It's not about whether or not they pay you back for this. God will bless you in all your works and in all which you put your hand. This is what God is saying. God is saying, if I can ever get your heart to change, I'll bless everything. I'll bless your marriage. I'll bless your relationships. I'll bless your family. I'll bless. I can if if I can just get a hold of your heart I can bless it all. And this is, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. And I want you to think about the logic of this for, for, for just a moment. We have Christians today who can trust God with the eternity of their soul. I mean, think about this logically for a moment. You can trust God with literally millions and billions of years of either being in heaven or being in hell. Think of the weight of that. And yet they struggle with trusting God over returning the first 10% of their income. Does that make any sense at all logically? I mean, God is saying, if I can just get your heart. And let me, let me explain how this works. Selfishness will always attack you before you give. Self, you can't afford to do that. If you do that, you're going to be in trouble. Don't do that. You need that yourself. Grief always attacks you after you give. Have you ever made a commitment or given a large gift or just started tithing and then all of a sudden the hot water heater breaks or you lose an account or, you know, something happens and then the grief sets in? I should not have done that. And that's how grief works. And let me just explain. Those things are going to happen anyways. It's called life. Now you have a chance to really see who's going to be your source. I just had this random thought. I'm going out to lunch in a minute. I don't have any money on me at all. Oh, oh, Cody, thank you. Wow, Cody. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Man, Cody, you're doing pretty well. Thank you, Cody. All right. You want to talk about that? Now, why do you think when I said I didn't have any money, Cody jumped up immediately and gave me money? Because I gave it to him right before service and I told him to. Now, do you think Cody is sitting here right now grieving over the money he just gave me? He's not grieving because it was my money. I gave it to him right before service. (laughs) See, let me explain this. The reason why we grieve is because we thought it was ours in the first place. 
Do you catch that? The reason why we grieve is because we thought it was ours in the first place. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness there. It's all God's. It's all his. So we don't have to grieve over it. So the third thing I want you to first develop your, you know, deal with your selfish heart. Deal with the, with the grieving heart by really understanding that everything you have is God. None of it's yours. It's all his. I mean, think about it like this. If you would have been born to parents who died of AIDS in a village in Africa and living in an orphanage, would you be where you're at today? So can you really say, well, I worked hard for everything I have today. Can you really say that if you would have been born in different circumstances? So really, is anything you have really yours or is it the providence of God on your life? See, it's all his. And that's how you deal with the grieving heart is you understand Whose it all is in the first place. And then number three, you develop a generous heart. You learn to develop a generous heart. Deuteronomy 15 verse 14. Give him a generous farewell gift from your flock. Your threshing floor and your wine press. Share with him some of the bounty with which the Lord your God has blessed you. It was God that blessed you with it in the first place. Now a few moments ago we read Luke 6, 37. And 38, but I want to jump back to verse 30 because Jesus reiterates this story from Deuteronomy 15. Jesus basically goes through the same story again in Deuteronomy 15. He does it in Luke chapter 6. And I want you to see the way Jesus tells the very same story. In verse 30, Jesus says, give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. That's the, the golden rule. Matthew words it a little differently. It's a little more famous in Matthew's passage. Verse 32. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Verse 35, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Sounds like giving with the right heart to me. He says, then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the most high. God is saying, listen, just look like me. I'm your dad. I want you to look like me. And this is how we look like children of the most high. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. You must be generous as your father is generous. So let me say that again. God is kind to the unthankful and the wicked. And let me remind you for a moment that that's you. That's me. I mean, you may be sitting there saying, well, I'm not, I'm not unthankful. I'm not wicked. Well, let me say it like this. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still wicked and unthankful, Christ died for. He, he wasn't sitting there saying, whoa, 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 before you put the nail in, let me just ask, are you going to be thankful if I do this? Because I'm not going to go through all of this if you're not going to be thankful after it's all over. No, it says while we were unthankful, while we were wicked, Christ died for us. So God is saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to be my, be my kids. 
God's saying, I'm generous. You're my kids. Why aren't you being generous? Why do I have to keep saying to you, share, share. I mean, God's trying to get this through to us. And then lastly, the the, the last thing we need to do. So you deal with that selfish heart, deal with the grieving heart, develop a generous heart. And then number four, develop a grateful heart. It's the last thing we need to do. Develop a grateful heart. Look at verse 15 out of Deuteronomy 15. Remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I'm giving you this command. God doesn't say be generous as a suggestion. He says be generous is a command. I am commanding you to be generous. On the basis that you were slaves. I want you to get that. God is saying my command to you to be generous is because you were slaves. You didn't have anything and everything you have is simply because I rescued you from Egypt. I redeemed you. I took you out of slavery. You were slaves. You didn't own anything. You had nothing. Now you're blessed and it's all because of me. That's why I'm commanding you to be generous. I'm commanding you to be generous because I am generous. You know, I had a conversation with someone this week over tithing. And, you know, I'm not naive. I know this is a struggle for many people in the church. I, I, I know it's hard. And, and the, the question was really, I'm just trying to figure out what's God's and what's mine. And the real answer is it's all God's. I mean, it's all God's. God's just saying, listen, all I want you to do is return the first 10 to me. Just, just, you know, you can manage the other 90 and it'll do a lot more for you if you just return the first 10. If I know that, 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 that I have your heart, then I'll bless the other 90 to do more than, than 100 could do by itself. And, and, and that's the real answer. And the, and the question was, you know, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what's God and what's mine. And I remember somebody asked me one day, why is it so easy for you to be generous, to give, to tithe? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this for any other reason, but to illustrate the point. I mean, I've given my savings away twice. I've given cars away. I mean, why is it so easy? And here's, here's the truth. Because I've never gotten over getting saved. I've never gotten over getting saved. Because if you knew the truth about me, I don't deserve to be standing here today. My past should have disqualified me. I mean, I've done stuff in my past that I am so ashamed of that I'll regret to the day I die. And while I was a sin, while I was a slave to sin and empty and no purpose, when nobody else believed in me or gave me a chance, God reached down and rescued me from slavery, from just brokenness. He gave me a chance. He loved me. He paid a price that I could never pay. I mean, when I really look at what God did for me, there's nothing I have that I wouldn't give him. It's not hard for me when I look at what he's done. I've never gotten over getting saved. And that's why it's not an issue for me. 
See, if you are grateful for what you have, then it's easy to be generous because you know where the source is. You know where it came from. That's why it's so critical that we develop this grateful heart because we were slaves. This is why Moses told the children of Israel, he said, hey, one day your children are going to come to you and they're going to ask you, dad, what are you doing talking about tithing? You keep giving away family assets and profits and dad, you're killing our business. What are you, what, what are you doing, dad? You don't, you don't just give away stuff like that. And Moses said, when your children one day come to you and they ask you, why, why are you doing this? You sit your kids down and you say, kids, you need to understand something. There was a time where we didn't have anything. We were slaves. And God rescued us. And everything we have today is because of God. Everything we have is because of God. So for us to return to God, what belongs to Him anyways, we do it joyfully and gladly because we wouldn't have any of this without Him. And that's what Moses commanded the people to do. And one day I'll sit down with my son. He's now at the age where he's starting to understand this stuff. Or every time, you know, we return our tithe, I get my son and he helps me do it. We do it online and he's starting to understand the concept of money. And one day he's going to ask me, Dad, why are you? That's a lot of money. I mean, anything to a five-year-old is a lot of money. I mean, why are you? What are you doing that for, Dad? And I'm going to sit down with him one day and I'm going to say, you need to know something about your dad. I wasn't always a good person. And if it wasn't God, I wouldn't even be your dad. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be here right now. And so, son, I do this gladly. Gladly. Because of what he did for me. So I like to leave every message with just a simple question. What's the Holy Spirit saying to me today? you just close your eyes for a moment just ask yourself that question what is the holy spirit saying to me this morning for some of you and i told my story of god rescuing me some of you your heart began to burn because you're sitting here today saying you know what i'm not a part of god's family right now And you need to know God right now is giving you an invitation. God is saying, listen, I want to invite you to be a part of my family on the basis of what my son did. God's saying, listen, I don't need you to work for it. I don't need you to be a good enough. I don't need you to be a good person. I just need you to say yes to the invitation. And then there's some of you today who maybe at one time you really felt like you were part of God's family, but... You know, you feel like you're just away from home today. You're estranged from God. You feel like, you know, the the famous story in the Bible, the prodigal. You feel like a prodigal. You're just away. And I want you to hear this loud and clear. God is saying to you this morning, would you please come home? You're not too far away. You haven't done too much that my grace can't cover it. Would you please come home today? Because God does not want to be your religion. He wants to be your dad. He's building a family. And God just desperately wants you to be a part of his family. And so I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to that invitation this morning. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come to the front. I'm not even going to ask you to say anything out loud. 
But if you need to say yes to God's invitation today, whether it's for the first time to be a part of his family or whether you just need to come home this morning. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And if you'd like to join me in that prayer, would you just slip up your hand and say, you know what, I need to say yes to God's invitation today. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand quickly so that I can see it and know who's praying with me? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you. The prayer is simple. The first part of the prayer is God's right now giving you an invitation. God's saying, listen, I'm inviting you to be a part of my family. And what I want you to say to God in your own words is just say, God, I accept your invitation. I say yes. Would you just say that to God right now? The second part of that prayer is forgiveness. Every single one of us have blown it, made mistakes. And now you need to ask God a question. And I guarantee you right now that God will say yes to this question. And you just need to say, God, will you forgive me? I guarantee he'll say yes. So would you just ask that question to God right now? And then the last part of the prayer was the fourth point, gratefulness. Would you just say thank you to him today? Just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Would you look up just for a moment? I'm going to encourage you to do one more thing on your own. This This is up to you. On the connection card in your worship guide, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. One says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. If you made either decision, whether you said yes for the first time or you came back home, would you check one of those boxes and drop it off in one of the boxes as you leave today? We just want to be your family. We just want to support you and give you the tools to really walk out that decision. Uh, there's a book outside at our, at, our, at our information table. It says, now what? Hey, I joined God's family today. Now what? It's a great question. It's a very short book. It's free. Pick up a copy. It'll walk you through some of the next steps. Uh, And then lastly, one of the greatest things we could do for you today is as you leave, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we give away hundreds of Bibles a year. It's one of the passions of our church is to give people Bibles, get people reading God's word. This will change your life more than anything. This, This is more powerful than anything I have to say. If we can get you reading this book. So we have we have Bibles outside. If you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, please, please, please let us give you one today. We would be so honored if you would take a Bible with you today and, and just join with it. Again, if you want to go deeper into our series this month, this book, The Blessed Life, will take you deeper. And let me just say, this is a very easy book to read. It's, it's probably one of the easiest books you'll ever read. It's not complicated at all. And it'll really, again, I've had more people thank us for this book than really anything else we've done as a church. Because it's so changed their life, their marriage, their family in so many ways. So pick up a copy as you leave. Would you stand with me as we close? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we just pray blessing over everybody in this room. We thank you, God, that you are a generous God and you gave to us when we didn't deserve it. So let us look like your kids, God, and be generous people because you are a generous dad. And we just want to reflect you to this world in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.